0: This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two giant telepathic starfish from outer space, Zan Dominie Little.
1: Hello, hi.
0: And Paul Jasley. Hey, humanoids. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk about comic books. But before we get into things, I do want to read something that we wrote in preparation for the episode. Um, before we start the show today, I want to speak on behalf of the podcast in regards to the troubling increase in anti-Asian racism over the past year. We at iRead Comic Books offer our sympathy, support, and solidarity with the members of the Asian and Pacific Islander community. I encourage all of our listeners to learn more about this issue and find ways you can help. We recommend visiting StopAAPIHate.org or follow Stop AAPI Hate on social media. Check our show notes for links to this group's website and GoFundMe campaign. We believe that by working together, we can crush racism and stop the hate. Paul, you and I just recorded an episode not too long ago that released on our Patreon about Superman smashes the Klan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like strangely timely, like in a in the worst way possible to yeah, like talk yeah. about a, such an amazing comic book that addresses something that's happening right now in the United States. And so I figured wanted to say something on this week's episode because <sighs> the world just continues, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think we, if you have a platform uh, like we do with the podcast, it, it's, it behooves you to make a statement like that. So thanks, Mike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, well, you know, let's get into things. Um, this is episode 279 of I Read Comic Books. We have a special guest on our show, Zan Dominie little Zan, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into things, could you tell the people at home a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, firstly, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Um, so I'm a, re- a researcher and a lecturer in the intersection of Bible and popular culture at the University of Glasgow, um, and I specialize in gender, sexuality, comic books, and religion. So that's um, a little bit about my background. Background and my history with comics.
0: Very cool, very cool. You know, we're really excited to talk to you about uh, a very serious topic today. This this whole episode is going to be maybe a little bit more serious, but um, really glad to have you here. Really excited to talk about things. And honestly, like what you've been studying, and I mean the things that I've been able to read online that you've written and stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, I'm genuinely curious, like what got you interested in like religious studies and that overlap with comics.
1: Um, actually, yeah, um, that's something that I wanted to talk about a little bit later today. But um, basically, I find comics a really interesting vehicle for dealing with things like religion and cultural expression and politics and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, so for me, it was a really natural fit. And somebody, um, my my supervisor at university when I was doing my undergraduate, um, introduced me to Robert Crumb's Book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that basically started the whole thing for me. Um, so it's been about 11 years since then. And um, that's, yeah, that's basically all I read now is a religious style comics or, or comics that deal with religion and culture and politics.
0: Gotcha. Hm. Very cool. Well, we will get into it a little bit later in this episode, um, given today's topic. But I guess before we dive too deep into things, I, I got to ask my legally mandated questions for the show, <laughs> which is how have you been? How have comic books been? So, Zan, could you tell us a little bit about that? What have you been reading? How you been? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, I've been really good, thank you. Um, things are a bit wet and dismal and grey in Scotland, um, but that's springtime for you in Glasgow. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've, I've had quite a lot of time to read lately because of the weather. Um, and my most recent reads have been uh, Mary Wept Over the Feet of Jesus, Prostitution and Religious Obedience in the Bible um, mm-hmm. by Chester Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also been keeping up with, with uh, the Goddamned The Virgin Brides volume um, oh, series two. it is now, yeah.
0: Gotcha, um I you know I've never read the Goddamn How is that book so far and the issues that you've read?
1: <laughs> it is weird <laughs> it's it's really strange um it's violent, it's gory, it's got really cool little flicks to the Bible. If you know your Bible, you'll recognize them. It's really fun to read as well, um but it's good fodder for the mind too it's, there's lots of things going on there that you can think about deeper if you want to, so I'm really enjoying it,
0: okay. See, that's really interesting because when I saw this book, I was just like, oh, there goes Jason Aaron. He's just going to, he's doing another Viking book or he's doing another just, (laughs) you know, straight nonstop action flick. But you're telling me that Mm -hmm. there is a little bit more to this than meets the eye?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of. Um, sort of snide commentary on gender and sexuality and Mm -hmm. violence against women and um, but again also just a lot of crazy weird stuff like talking snakes as you would find in you know genesis in the garden of eden and things like that too so it's really fun that way but if you want to if you want to go deeper you definitely can with this book
0: very cool. Could you could you tell me a little bit more about this? Mary wept over the feet of Jesus book. I have never heard of this. I mean, I know Drawn and Quarterly. It's a really small publisher, so they do a lot of like very super niche things, and this seems very super niche.
1: Yeah, it is quite niche, um, but it's actually a follow up to Chester Brown's um, 2011 comic that he produced, paying for it. Um, and paying for it is about his sort of journey um, with sex work. Basically, he's a John in the sex work world. Okay, um, and and so paying for it was a, a biography of his experience um, using sex workers. Um, and uh, Mary Wept Over the Feet of Jesus is a follow-up of that, where he basically retells a bunch of biblical stories, but argues that they take a pro-sex work stance, mm-hmm. and that actually the amount of research that he's done that's gone into this comic book, he claims that actually sex work was, you know, very normal and um, not only popular but a positive part of ancient cultural history. So it's been really interesting to see his tweaks and his takes on those stories. Mm-hmm. I not, can't say that I agree with them all. Um, from as a biblical scholar,
2: sure. <laughs> but,
1: um, I mean, the amount of research that he's gone into it—the bibliography is huge. He has this commentary section at the back where he tells you why he's made certain choices about retelling, like the Abel and Cain story and the Tamar story and the Ruth story and so forth. And it's just, it's a really—I um, love it when people do this sort of work because. Biblical scholars can be really boring and dry. And this is like a whole new way of looking at the Bible, which is way more exciting. So it's I totally recommend it. It's a small little book, really, really uh, as in, in size, but it's quite chunky. And I totally recommend reading it if you haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. I, I this sounds like a very, like you said, very different take on things. So I'm I'm definitely yes. interested. I you know, I've never really read too much like comics about the bible i knew about genesis by our you know by our crumb, but like yeah. you know what, we'll get into the second half because i've just got a million and one questions about this kind of stuff <laughs> sure. um so paul i guess okay, what about you how have you been how have comic books been
2: uh i've been good mike um i'll be getting my second dose of moderna uh this coming friday so i'm weirdly optimistic about the future so it feels Woo-hoo. good um Nice. And uh, I've been reading, uh, reading some comics. No matter how many comics I read, I'm perpetually like two weeks behind. Like I'm always like two of weeks course. behind in my weekly books. So I read a few things that are a few weeks old, so, um, but they're new to me. And uh, I looked, I don't think anyone's talked about them on the show yet. So hopefully they're new to you. I read two books that were weirdly sort of um, very similar. It's always interesting to read two books, two comic books by different creative teams, different publishers that somehow seem to uh, overlap a lot. And those were The Plot number eight um, and The Swamp Thing number one. So, The Plot, of course, is the Vault comic series written by Tim Daniel and Michael uh, Morkai, art by Joshua Hickson, colors by Kurt Michael Russell. The Swamp Thing number one is a 10 issue limited series from DC written by Rom Mm -hmm. V, art by Mike Perkins, colors by Mike Spicer. Both books are about uh family curses and bog monsters or swamp monsters i guess literally <laughs> for swamp things so it's just funny to read them back to back like i did uh the, this is the final issue of the plot which was kind of interesting because for some reason i thought the book had already ended so when i got another issue of it i was like oh maybe this is a new volume of the story but as i was reading it i was i was convinced this is very clearly the conclusion of the story so um if you haven't read that book it's one of the best horror comics i've read in a long time uh, I think horror is a genre that obviously has a long history in comic books, but it 's hard to do well just by the nature of the medium itself, you know, mm-hmm. since horror films rely on that sort of jump scares and quick cuts a comic you can 't really do that unless you have the big reveal at the page turn. This book does it really well it 's very creepy it 's about a, a cursed sort of haunted house family mystery and uh, and a bog monster that is haunting the family so I don't want to get too deep into the details, again, because the conclusion, without spoiling anything, uh, it's a very satisfying conclusion to the story. And it really made me want to go back and reread the whole series to kind of get the full picture of it. So can't Mm -hmm. recommend that one enough. Um, And then Swamp Thing, uh, this is the new Swamp Thing series written by Ron V. I didn't read the Future State Swamp Thing uh, mini, so I don't know if there's there's a lot of backstory to this new Swamp Thing, but it's a different person. It's not uh, Alec Holland. Um, And this new Swamp Thing is uh, Levi Kamai. Um, He's returning home to New York after going over to India to visit his estranged father on his deathbed. Uh, So again, it's about uh, family curses or family lineage. And it turns out this guy turns into Swamp Thing, of course. Um, Of course. You know, uh, and it's about a man who's in search of his roots, pun intended, uh, becoming Swamp Thing. He has these horrific visions. The artwork by Mike Perkins is it's perfectly creepy and spooky the way Swamp Thing should be. And uh, I'm just glad that it it feels like a proper horror take on Swamp Thing. That's a character that never really works for me Mm -hmm. in a superhero setting. But if you go back to the horror roots of the character, it totally works. And I think I'm pretty excited to see where they they take this book.
0: I mean, I'm hoping that Rom V is giving this book the, like, Immortal Hulk treatment, you know? Yeah. Hulk Mm Hulk is an interesting character in some ways, not a great superhero. But when you get into that horror element of things, come on right like i'm hoping that that's what we're seeing with this swamp thing book i have yet to read this book but i i plan on picking it up so it's good to hear that the first issue was good
2: yeah yeah it's very solid again in, in, even if you don't know a lot about swamp thing i think this is a perfect introduction to the character and the mythology so it's a great jumping on point obviously since it's a number 1
0: mhm mhm uh well for for me this week um i am currently in the process of packing because i am Moving out of the big city, I'm no longer going to be a big city boy. Instead, I'm going to be a New Jersey person. And I don't know what you call those people, but that's what I'm (laughs) going to be. So, uh, you know, slightly packing slowly over time over the next two weeks before we move. It's going to be a whole thing. Cinco in the chat says that I'm going to become... A Jersey boy that's just what it is Um, there's (laughs) probably a Bruce Springsteen song going to be written about me um, as we speak but uh, (laughs) you know when I'm not dealing with that stress I'm trying to read comics Um, I finally finished Hikaru no Go um, as part of the manga read along series that we're doing on discord I was like a day late but um, what an ending Um, might be one of the most exciting fun manga reads you could ever read I don't know um, I read uh, the first arc of Demon Slayer because Kelly started watching the anime, and I wanted to be able to talk to her about it. So, uh, just really quick on those. But the other things that I read that I have a little bit more to say about is uh, I read Alien number f- Barbalian Red-, Red Planet number five. Um, this is by Tate Bromble and Jeff Lemire with art by Gabriel um, Walta, colors by Jordi Belair. If you haven't been following along with this series and you haven't really read much of Black Hammer, I will say uh, you know this is the last issue in the arc. And the, the only thing that I can really say about it is this is quite an end to what feels like one of the most real stories in the Black Hammer universe. In in the Black Hammer universe, it's very much a, a mix of Avengers and Justice League and a, you know a couple of other things all at once. But the Barbalian story about this Martian character, you know, that has to, that comes to Earth and changes his personality, and we really didn't get to explore him too much outside of some casual bits and or some smaller bits and pieces throughout the other Black Hammer stories. But to see this miniseries focused on Barbalian and explaining why the character is the way that he is is Probably, it's extremely devastating and it's incredibly sad um, given the subject matter, which is his name is not John Johns, but I want to say John Johns, Marks Marks, <laughs> I think is his name. He comes to, uh, I believe it's San Francisco, working as a police officer right in the middle of like the AIDS epidemic. Um, and he is a you know, homosexual man, or I guess like he's a, he's a homosexual, like Martian, which makes him a homosexual human or something. I don't, I don't know how you really explain it. Um, so it, him as a police officer at that time, it's just not great, obviously. And it's a, it's a super powerful story from beginning to end. So I honestly think that if you just picked up this barbarian red planet by itself and read it, you would understand the impact. You don't need to know the whole backstory of everything that happened in the black hammer series to read it. Um, I think it's a pretty powerful story. And to bring tape Ram I think to tell that story, because I don't like Jeff Lemire, I don't think is trying to appropriate um, telling the story of like, uh, you know, a queer person in the in the 80s and 90s um, in the United States. So um, it's interesting to to see that story play out. And it's it's, it's super moving, um, I will say. So really, really solid. Um, I highly recommend that that whole arc. Red, Barbalian Red Planet um, 1 through 5 is amazing. The other book that I read is I Killed Adolf Hitler. This is by Jason, uh, published by Fanta Graphics. I think, Paul, I think you told me to read this it couldn't maybe have been have me i've never read it
2: so yeah but it seems okay. like something i would well, recommend so yeah
0: yeah so <laughs> somebody somebody told me to read this book and i don't remember who maybe someone in the chat can remind me but uh, which, by the way, folks are listening live on Discord um, as we record today's episode. So if you know you want to do that, ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. Got to get that plug in. You know? <laughs> but I, I read this book uh, not really knowing what it was. I, if you've ever browsed comicsology, you've ever looked at Fantagraphic's backlog of comics, you'll notice that they have a, a ton of books by this creator called Jason. Um, and they all seem to feature these anthropomorphic cat-like people. So I don't know, out of the blue, someone told me to check this out. So I borrowed it on Comixology Unlimited and I started reading it. And it it's like 53 pages and it reads like, I don't want to say artsy, but just a lot of fanographic books in general where it's not really gonna hook you it's not really a book that's trying to like get you sucked in in the first five pages it's kind of just a story um it's a spread of bland pieces and and tidbits that end really quickly and they seem really harsh like the opening of this book is the the main character he's an assassin and he's like sniping someone and there's this woman on the bed who wants him to have sex with her but like he won't because he needs to make this kill. And like, if you were reading this from like image or from boom or something, the creator and the artist would probably make things a bit like sexier overall, but this book, it just felt so bland and and plain. And I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and to, that isn't to say that this book isn't interesting because it's a sl- there's like a slow quality to this book like you see this in a lot of other fanographics books I think like Mega Hex or Fonte Bukowski or cosplayers where there's like the tension of the book lies in the dullness of everything and the action happens suddenly without a build up like the sound of like a firecracker in a silent room where you didn't even know it was going to happen and then suddenly things are changing some people would call that poor storytelling other people would call that the way that a lot of indie books are written so I don't know uh is that a dig at the indie books maybe it is <laughs> it sounds really shitty when it came out of my mouth but that's how i thought about it um ultimately this book it doesn't seem like it says much um it definitely tells a story about a guy who goes back in time and kills hitler but he doesn't kill hitler and it's i don't know it feels weird it's like a really bad <laughs> looper spoof or something um i don't know if i liked it it's it's i, I every single fanographics book like this that i get And I know that it's part of like some creators like backlog of stories. I'm just like, well, now I got to read the other 12 because I feel like I didn't understand this one. Maybe if I read the other 11, I'll get the charm of it. Um, So, yeah, there's a bunch of these books. And I I happen to pick the one that has the most, you know, outrageous title to start with. And maybe (laughs) that's the worst one. So now I got to read the other ones that are out there. (sighs) Anyways. You guys ever want to kill Hitler? Ever think about that? Uh, <laughs> sorry, Ben.
1: I, I kind of want to read this book now, actually, I, yeah, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, you you See, actually sold it pretty the well,
0: Mike. <laughs> God <Yeah>. damn it. <laughs> I don't think that that was my intent. Uh, but... <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, you know, you guys check this out. If you get a chance to read it, let me know what you think. Maybe I missed something. Maybe this is the problem with these books. I feel like I don't understand like the intricate pieces of the storytelling that they're doing. I've been Mm -hmm. reading Mm -hmm. comics and trying to dissect them and understand them at like a more than surface level for like 10 years. And sometimes (laughs) I read books like this and I go, I I feel like I just started reading comics yesterday. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. Anyways, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out in the upcoming week. Comic books are dropping on March thirty first, two thousand twenty one here in the United States. So let let's see what you guys are are excited about. Paul, what what about you? What are you what are you started excited about this week? If as I stumble over all my words,
2: uh, Mike, I am excited for Beta Ray Bill number one. Uh, this is spinning out of Thor, which I'm not reading, and it also seems to be spinning out of the King in Black event in Marvel, which I didn't read, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, and it's about a big old space horse with an axe. What, as Stanley once said, "Enough said." You know, Uh, I love Daniel Warren Johnson's artwork. I think him drawing a sort of Thor-centric book makes a ton of sense. Beta Ray Bill is one of those characters that is—it's always a thrill when he pops up. You know, sometimes there's just certain characters you don't even like think about or have much connection to but they just look cool and i think that's Beta mm-hmm. Ray Bill for me so having an artist uh draw a character that has such a distinct look um it's pretty exciting so yes i'm going to dive into marvel and uh read a book that i have no idea what it's going to be about i just know it'll probably look
0: mm-hmm. really nice zan are you a big are you a big like marvel or dc reader at all uh, when you're when you're not reading you know the goddamned other biblical books <laughs>
1: Yeah, I used to be quite into DC, um, but not so much anymore. And I think um, partly it's because I'm working on a book at the moment, which is due at my publishers imminently. So my head has been completely in the game of Bible and comics, and I haven't had much space to look elsewhere but actually you guys have given me a lot of recommendations that um, once this book is in at the publishers (laughs) in the end of (laughs) April I've got lots of things to look forward to reading
0: right perfect. isn't there I mean Paul correct me if I'm wrong here there's probably some sort of book out there that makes you know some sort of uh, hint that Superman is Jesus right that's something you could read as part of your book oh my gosh yeah 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 (laughs) definitely (laughs) definitely
1: (laughs) yeah I wrote an undergraduate dissertation on that we could talk about that
0: oh my okay (laughs) well I love this. Okay, but before we get into that, I guess, Zan, what are you excited for this upcoming week?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I I cheated a little bit here, and it's partly because I I don't have my head in the game um, at the moment, again, until I get this book out of the way. So for me, I'm I'm really looking forward to issue five of The Goddamn Volume 2. It's not out until the end of April, um, and it's been a huge gap since the last um, issue, which was out in November last year, I Mm -hmm. think. So I'm just, I'm, I'm like, get this book in and then I can get that and I can learn what happens with the talking snake and the crazy Nephilim babies and all of that sort of stuff. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the end of April. That's what I'm looking forward
0: to. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yes. Um, Well, I guess before I get into my pick for this week, since it's 2021, you know, as I've been announcing every other week, um, if you share the show on social media and tag us, you can win a $20 gift card to Comixology or Midtown Comics or your local comic shop if they offer that kind of stuff. Um, This year, we want to really help people read comic books. So share the show. We'll send you 20 bucks. Uh, This week's winner is I'm going to try to pronounce this huffle huffleupagus is that what that's supposed to be um on instagram so thank you so much for sharing the show you i think you you shared some stickers that we sent you so thank you again i'm gonna reach out with the with the dm and get you a 20 dollar gift card to your place of choice um i also want to mention some of the folks on discord shouted out their comic picks for this week cinco is picking the department of truth number seven nick is picking young hellboy number two and danny is also picking beta ray bill number one so paul (laughs) You know, I expect you to have a conversation with Danny about this when you, Uh, since neither of you know what's going on with this book, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. For me this week, I was going to pick Department of Truth, um, but I figure I can't pick every single issue of that book. Or between me and Paul, it can't just be you know every every time that book comes out. So I'm picking Decorum number seven. (laughs) Hopefully this is coming out. um, John Hickman, uh, Mike Huddleston. My thought is New Arc who dis? I think number six ended with an arc, but you know number six came out months and months ago. Classic Hickman book. Um, I don't. I I honestly don't know why I buy this book in single issues because it reads so much better as arcs. Um, I read number six in one go and it was like absolutely necessary for me to understand everything that was going on. <laughs> Honestly, though, the I think the reason I get this book monthly um, is only one, to make sure that it stays alive. And two, because I just kind of want to flip through a book that has Mike Huddleston's art. It's He's so disgustingly talented. Everyone just needs to look at some pages from this book. I think when Number six came out. I talked about this at length. Like I was sharing pictures with Nick about this because he and I were just talking one night and I couldn't believe like from page to page to page that it was all the same artist. Um, if If you're someone that likes Marco Rudy, and, you know, other artists who kind of like change their style from page to page like that. Uh, this is this is another one of those creators who is multifaceted and shows it off in every book that they're working on. So decorum number seven is probably going to be exciting. I'm probably just going to sit on it for the next like six to eight months until, the you know, the next art <laughs> comes out. But we'll see. But yeah, that's that's my pick for this week. And uh, I'm really excited to see how it goes. And yeah i guess with that let's uh let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking about this week's topic which is a big one we said it was going to be serious the question is do you do current events shape how you read comic books and a little bit more so we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to dive right right inside that For our show this week, we are asking the questions: Do current events shape how you read comics? Do you see themes in comics that reflect the current political climate? I feel like the second question is a bit more obvious than the first. But you know, I, I guess to to kind of get the thing started with the first question, you know, do current events shape how you read comics? I mean, my answer is is torn in in two ways, right? Um, you know, the idea of you know I want to engage more when I learn about things, um, but also I want to escape. From the world by reading comics you know and i think you see a lot of people out there who just like comics aren't inherently political i just want to read comics with like we're not talking about that today but like (laughs) there is kind of like you know you jump into fantastical elements of things to kind of get away from the somewhat you know harsh reality of life but uh i'm curious to know you know i guess you know zan i think you've you've got a very uh interesting position to be in you know I said you've been reading a lot of comics about the bible and stuff um and like the cross section between comics and the bible um do you still feel like books that are written like that like try to reflect current society or is it um, you know like the book you talked about before um, Mary wept over the feet of Jesus seems like someone's interpretation of the Bible based on their current like opinion of the world do you see like an overlap in things that like influences like I guess the political or that is influenced by the political climate when you're like reading comics like that
1: yes, absolutely and and my answer to the question is, Unequivocally, yes. Okay. Current <laughs> events do shape how we read comics, um, and yet it is it is a good place to start if we think about religion and Bible and comics and the intersections between them all. Um, I, again, I mentioned Robert Crumb earlier, but his Genesis comes to mind um, immediately because you know for him it was a faithful word for word interpretation of the Book of Genesis, mm-hmm. um, except that there is no single Book of Genesis, there is no original text, and he had to put his own interpretation on it, and his interpretation. Was really biased by a bunch of stuff he'd been reading about how women were super powerful. And, you know, it was almost this pro feminist idea that he put into the pages of Genesis, which, you know, don't really exist and tie up if we look at the biblical Hebrew Mm -hmm, that he was mm -hmm. drawing from as well. So for me, I'm like, yes, absolutely. He might not recognize that he's, as in Robert Crumb might not recognize that he's, um, you know, used his own interpretation and agenda and bias to, create this book of genesis but it does reflect this feminist some people might argue post-feminist you know world that we live in Mm -hmm. and and again you see it with chester brown's mary wept over the feet of jesus it's very pro-sex work which has contemporary parallels with a lot of the discussions and arguments we're having at the moment regarding sex work as labor so yes unequivocally the more aware I become of news and social justice issues and political events, the more I see them reflected in things that I read, whether that's intentional or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And Paul, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, you know, Mike, as someone who read a lot of Judge Dread comics last last year, I can say yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely current events shape by read <laughs> comics, particularly Judge Dread comics. So uh Yeah. You know, it's uh, comics aren't created in a vacuum and you can't read them in a vacuum. So, no matter what the creator's intent might be, I think you're always going to bring what's in the back of your mind to what you're reading. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really interesting to me because, again, there was a lot of stuff I was reading last summer about Judge Dredd. um, Particularly the Day of Chaos storyline, which came out like almost 10 years ago, but it's about a deadly virus that kills 87% of Mega City One's residents. It's really hard to not think about, you know, our current situation while reading that book. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I felt it helped me cope with things. You know, there was a lot to deal with last summer, obviously, and uh, from all different directions, and it's overwhelming. And yet, even a book that sort of reminded me of that, there was enough of a Mm -hmm. distance. Because it was fictional, to kind of help me cope and understand and deal with the very real life consequences of the coronavirus and everything else last year. So in a weird way, it was almost comforting to read a book like that because it allowed me to process my feelings about that stuff in an interesting way.
0: Right. I mean this is this is like everyone watching that movie. I think a movie was called Pandemic or something that right. came out. Yeah. That's that's yeah. I, I don't even remember. It's a movie that was very popular on Netflix like right after you know all the COVID stuff happened. Like, I think you know people want to see like a, a resolution in some sort of fiction. Oh, Danny corrected me. Outbreak. That was the big oh, one. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think it's it's so. Bizarre. I mean, not to make this all about COVID, but just to hear like, you know, people want to see something like that where they can escape into a fictional world where there is a little bit more management because it is in like a fictional space. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, when I was thinking about this topic, you know, I was thinking about, you know, current events and in terms of like, you know, like the the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, all the stuff that's happening right now, you know, with the uh, Asian American folks and Pacific Islander folks. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, I I, I want to learn more about, like, what's actually happening from people's perspectives and also, you know, how has this, you know, these stories have existed for a long time where you see, like, this isn't a new thing, you know, what's happening when it, when it comes to these types of movements um, and to see other people tell these stories to educate myself to better, you know, to be a better ally and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, I I look to comics to try to learn, which is uh, something that is is maybe strange to some people to hear. Uh, I think on this show we've talked enough about how the fact that like you know we don't we don't treat comics like children's things, you know, because mm-hmm. comics are serious. Um, and they they are they are things for for people of all ages. The best medium to learn things, yada yada. You know, we've 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 spoken to that a lot. But I you know I think comic books offer an interesting way for people to digest information. And so like when it when I ask the question, do current events shape how I read comics? It's like it forces me to try to look and find comics about current, current events that are happening um, because (laughs) nine times out of 10, they're not brand new. You know, I'm sure that you could find, you know, uh, there are comics talking about plagues. There are comics talking about people standing up to the police. There are comics talking about all these different topics that have been around for a while. And like, I think back about, I think, you know a few years ago, when I- st- sat down to read March, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is not a new thing you know like I was aware of the civil rights movement from like going to American high school or American middle school where you learn about it for a hot minute, but to to actually you know read something about john lewis's life is it's it's insane to see that you know forty fifty years ago these same problems that are happening today are you know were happening um to people across the country so You know, that's, I feel like I'm, I try to educate myself through that rather than turning to prose books because I find them harder to engage with, I guess.
2: (laughs) That sort of distance that, I don't know how else to say it, but there's sort of a distance you can kind of put between yourself and the material uh, when it's mediated through comics. That sort of visual element makes things almost easier to uh, wrap your brain around, you know, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. so
1: anyway yeah i I totally agree with that Um, and i think as well that um the beauty of comics is that the way that they are produced they can respond to political events and social justice issues and all these things and coronavirus and anything else that's happening in the world in a really timely manner Mm -hmm. that not many other cultural products can do and so that makes them fairly unique in that respect as an educational tool as well because they're sort of recording history as they go Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um which which not many things can do that so quickly
0: Definitely. I mean, I think that there's, you know, a lot of online creators who you know immediately had responses um, to, to things, you know, ready to go, whether, you know, on any subject matter, you know, when, when current events are happening, like putting together a digital comic to, to toss out to, to say like how you're feeling or to add your story to the great, greater story of what's happening. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even consider that idea of the fast turnaround for things because hmm. prose books take a while to come out. TV shows take even longer. Same with movies. So yeah, that's hmm. that's a wonderful observation.
2: It's something that I notice when I go back and read comics, particularly like uh, from the sixties and seventies when they're you know they're being churned out so quickly. When I go back and read Jack Kirby comics, again he's operating on such a fast pace that whatever's in his mind is coming out somewhat subconsciously through the comics, whether he's aware of it or not. But when you read the New mm-hmm. Gods, it's clearly about him trying to understand World War II, which again is something we're still sort of dealing with as a society. It's not just about uh, you know. Space gods. There's something deeper there. And like right. OMAC is a book that's about the the implications of technology and how that changes humanity and changes our society. It's there in the text, uh, whether he intended it or not. So it's always interesting to go back and read that stuff. And I think it's because it was being produced at such a fast rate. It was there whether Kirby or Stanley intended it or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And the, and the same thing is happening, you know, if you go back to the beginning of Superman in the 30s, mm-hmm. being written as a response to violence against Jewish communities perpetrated by the Nazis. Um, you know, so he's he's this protector of this Jewish community, but he actually goes on, you know, his cultural acclaim um, extends to become the protector of the world. But his beginnings are really actually quite humble. And it's about this social justice warrior in response to something terrible that's happening in the world.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, Superman might be. I think again I'm biased towards Superman, but I think he might be the best example of how you can reflect or how uh, pop culture reflects the time. You know, Superman has changed as culture has changed around him. He's always reflected the popular uh, values of when the stories are being told. There's actually a really great book called Superman: The Unauthorized Biography written by Glenn Weldon that actually that's the purpose of the book. He goes through Decade by decade through Superman says, this is what Superman's stories were like at this time. Here's how they reflected society. And I think as a cultural icon, he might be the best example of how uh, culture impacts comics and how as a reader, you can read into what culture is like mm-hmm. at that moment by reading comics, you know.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I agreed with your point earlier that I think that the reader is the person who brings their own baggage and their own weight to the texts rather than the the author. Once it leaves the hand of the author, it doesn't matter what they intended. It matters what you read into it. (laughs) Um, And comics are a particularly good vehicle for that as well. Um, and the thing is as well, um, so um, Mike, you talked about, you know, you want to escape and and you want to read comics for fun mm-hmm. um, and you get to do that if you want to. So uh, if we think about um, the X-Men, for example, um, you, you might pick that up for sort of a quick break from reality, but others might pick it up and see representation of themselves because they're talking about things like marginalization and oppression of minority groups Mm -hmm. so that's the other really cool thing about comics is their dual identity that some people can just have fun with them and not think any deeper and others can be like okay cool i feel seen and that's really powerful
0: absolutely um first off i want to just say um how dare you with the X-Men? Um, there's no there's no <laughs> politics in the X-Men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry,
1: my bad. No, 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 no.
0: Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with that because I think, you know, that's the thing that's always made... I, you know, I, I've gotten on this soapbox a lot and I said in the break, no soapboxes and yet here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've said this before, you know, the X-Men are such an interesting thing because I, I absolutely agree. Like, you, you can take it on at many, many levels and I think you look at the X community, like the, the folks that read a lot of the X-Men books and they are digging in and they are finding pieces and things that are either intended or not intended by the authors to, to try to grab something to either hold to, to hold on to to represent themselves or to represent a community or to, to say like this is this is something great about like what this is what makes the x-men great um and, I, and i've always loved that about them because i think like ultimately the x-men to me always means hope and um yeah and i i it, well, I don't want to get into it too much because I, I do want to like kind of dig into some of the other thoughts that you guys had about this. Um, because you know when it comes to like, I think the X Men analogy is is not as as serious, it, it re- seriously reflected in the in the text as it was maybe like twenty or thirty or forty years ago. Um, because the, the the whole direction that the X Men have taken about like creating this utopia of the world, which is like in a way like kind of a futuristic look of of people to say like you know we're going to move and do our own thing and we're not trying to exclude anybody but we have to in order to save ourselves in order to save our 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 species as far as they're concerned um and, you know, at the same time, they aren't necessarily trying to say, like, this is an exclusive club. This is a like, we are a a tribe of people and we need to um, be together in order for ourselves to succeed. And we will integrate with the world in a way that is beneficial to everybody. Like they are offering, you know, they offer medicine and all these other things to basically cure disease and all this other stuff that makes the world ultimately better. But all mm-hmm. they're asking is to be left alone. You know, and I think that that's a, that's a really interesting thing because it, it brings up this idea of, you know, it, like self-exclusion like intentionally self-excluding yourself but not in a way that where like the power dynamics are like someone in a position of power is creating that segregation instead the like people in with less power i guess um are the ones choosing to say like we want to be separate but not in a way that that is like damning to us and makes us worse um Hmm. so yeah i don't know there's there's a lot to be said about the x-men i think (sighs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah,
1: interesting, and, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a really cool parallel there is obviously like the um, early various sects of Christianity, um, you know, that started um, after the death of Jesus um, in a Jewish majority or Greek majority culture who were doing really the same thing. So, again, we're seeing these stories repeat themselves in various different guises and forms, which is really cool.
2: hmm. Yeah, and Mike, you know, not to belabor the point, but you're talking about the X-Men and I think what's interesting is that, you know, I read the House of X Powers of 10, so that's I've read that, and what's so interesting is that really felt like an attempt to move away from the uh civil rights uh reading of the X-Men. Again, you know, sure. so Jack and Stan when they created the X-Men, they weren't thinking about civil rights or uh, black liberation movements at all. It's the readers of those books who later on said, Hey, maybe professor X is Martin Luther King, or maybe Magneto is Malcolm X. We can, we can map our experience onto these fictional characters. That was never the intent, but that's kind of what the sure. X-Men became. And it's interesting to see attempts to move away from that. I think again, the the other big uh, X-Men storyline I'm sort of familiar with is Grant Morrison's X-Men. And mm-hmm. Morrison very clearly is trying to move beyond that and move the X-Men into a different place and people were maybe ready for that. But I think that shows how uh, creators are trying to engage this, this material in a different way, you know, or whether or, or readers are able to um, engage with it in a different way over time.
0: Yeah, no, I I can definitely see where where you're coming from with that, um, and I I don't want to make this an X Men centric podcast because <laughs> I definitely will do that um, yeah. if anybody who listens to the show knows me well enough. So I guess to to kind of to skip past that are. Our, our, Were there were there other things, I guess, like other I guess there have there been any comics recently that you've read that you've that you've picked up simply because of things that are going on in the world? And obviously, you know, Paul, you said you picked up this book of Judge Dredd about the, you know, this pan this pandemic or this virus that killed (laughs) a bunch of people. But I guess beyond that, you know, like, are there other things that you were influenced by, like current political things or just the climate in general to say, you know, I want to read more about this. And it's something you found that was really, really good.
2: Uh, you know the one example that stands out it's a few years old at this point, but uh, the book Rolling Blackouts by Sarah Glidden. Um, mm-hmm. It's about the refugee crisis in Iraq, Turkey, and Syria following the invasion of Iraq in the early 2000s. Um, it's a very, very well researched book. It's, uh, it's almost journalism, you know it's, it's a real story. Sarah Glidden is going to these places. She's with a group of independent journalists and the book is a, not only about, current events and the, the sort of humanitarian tragedy of the refugee crisis, it's also a meditation on how journalists responsibly report on these issues without bringing their own bias to it or if that's even possible. It's a tremendous mm-hmm. book that carries a ton of weight, but it's also very readable and enjoyable as a reading experience, even though it's such a heavy, heavy subject and such a complex issue. I mean, that's a book that I go back too often because I had such an amazing reaction to it. Um, so yeah, Rolling Blackouts by Sarah Glidden is the first book that came to mind when I read this topic.
0: Gotcha. I've never heard of that. And this, this is also why I brought you two on. I want to find books that I haven't read yet. So if you sure. guys, this is basically just me curating a reading list from two comic book experts as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, uh, Zan, what about you? Was there any any books that you've read recently that have kind of like had an influence on you or like you read because of things that were going on?
1: Yeah. Um, one in particular that came to my mind It's by um, somebody called Kate Charlesworth. Um, and um, Kate Charlesworth's quite a big name in the UK um, indie scene. And um, she wrote basically a history of the lgbtqi community in the uk from 1950 up until basically like 2019 2020 oh, Wow! Uh, when the book was published um, and it's amazing it's it's like a um a little bit of her drawing a little bit of her commentary there's like Collage in there from tickets mm. to pride marches and buttons and ribbons, and you know, so it's a real big feast for the eyes. Um, but it, it just really made me when I read it stop and think, like, firstly, how far we've come, but also how long it's taken to get not very far at all. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. when Kate um, was born in 1950, for example, it was um, illegal to uh, be um, a man and gay, but it was never illegal for a woman to be a lesbian. Um, and Kate mm. is, um, a, a lesbian and grew up in yorkshire where you know small town and, and had to deal with all of those sorts of things so she chronicles um what it's like to be a lesbian in a small yorkshire town huh. when it's not even an offense to be so because that's how invisible they felt as part of the community um and i i sort of picked it up last year i saw kate give a talk um and i just thought you know the lgbtqi community goes through so much um hardship and discrimination and it seems to be never-ending so I wanted to educate myself on that and if, when I picked that up it was just like it completely blew me away the amount of work that's in there is amazing it's a beautiful beautiful book and um, but just the history as well it just really reminds you that like I said like we have come really far but also we haven't gone far enough Right, and like our sisters and our brothers and our trans uh, friends and our non-binary friends are still continuously being discriminated against and part of this oppressive society that we're all complicit in so that is me getting on my soapbox i'm sorry no no that's fine you know
0: i'm curious about the title though so you said this is it's called sensible footwear is this is like are shoes somehow like a part of the story here
1: yeah it's sensible footwear a girl's guide um, and, and I suppose it's sort of a commentary on, uh, in one way, that um, look, if you were a lesbian in the seventies and 80s, sort of wearing men's shoes and wearing sensible shoes and, you know, not wearing the feminine high heels because there's a look that you ascribe to if you're lesbian and, and so forth. So I think it's a little bit of a nod to that as well as some other things going on.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that's, that's an interesting, I mean, I I just looked up the the cover. It's a beautiful looking book. So, I mean, you know, we'll add some of these to the show notes too for folks that are, that are curious, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. I never, I would have never, never thought that the cover to that book would have told me about the history of the LGBTQI scene. Um, We're cool. Absolutely. Um, one of the books that I was thinking about, um, you know, we, we've we talked a little bit about, you know, things I mentioned March earlier. Um, one of the books that I was thinking about was Cannabis, The Illegalization of Weed in America by Box Brown. Um, oh, yeah. And at this point, you know, I'm just, <laughs> this is all Paul's fault, but I'm just like a Box Brown <laughs> person. Like anytime he puts out a book, I'm picking it up because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker. But, you um, know, I read that book and while I don't think it's maybe his most like compelling book, you know, compared to things like Tetris, which is by far one of the mm-hmm. best graphic novels you can purchase um uh, or andre the giant you know the thing that gets everybody hooked on this whole thing uh this cannabis book was really interesting because i thought i didn't know what it was going to be about and it turns out it's about why weed is so hated in the united states um and you know in a kind of across the like some of the western countries of the world but it's primarily uh, focused in america hence the title and um you know, he talks about how it's basically just a big thing that has to do with race. And I never knew that. Um, I think, you know, there there are terrible stereotypes that exist, you know, out there today, um, you know, that that ha- that associate, you know, you know, weed with one person type of person or another. But, um, you know, to hear to see like the history of things as it, you know, uh, marijuana moved from, you know, uh, India over to the United States and became very popular with migrant workers and stuff in the south. And then it became associated with just like people of color in general. So cops who were Clearly, racist. We're just arresting people for being, you know, non-white because they could say, "Oh, you're likely to have marijuana on you," and then marijuana becoming this illegal thing um, as more and more people used it, and they wanted to be able to crack down more on people of color. It's like Box Brown is clearly like in, inserting maybe some some of his own opinions into the book, but at the same time, the entire book is super well sourced, mm-hmm. which I think is, it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing journey that you follow throughout the book as things go from, um, I want to say like the early 1900s to I think the late 90s, early 2000s, as he talks about the, how things have progressed. And if you know anything about Box Brown, he's like a huge pro- proponent of legal weed in the United States. But I think to his, you know, his point, like in the book, there isn't a really good reason why weed is illegal, but alcohol is legal you know (laughs) Um, and I think that I mean, it's it's a really interesting book, again, and it's probably not as interesting as, you know, these biopic books that he kind of does, but um, still is a wonderful thing. And I, and it's a very, very relevant topic, especially today, um, where different states across the United States are making weed, making weed legal. And then there is this question of how do we handle people that are in jail for possession for these drugs that are now legal? Do they just go free? And sh- I mean, should they just go free? Because the answer is fucking yes, as far as I'm concerned. But, <laughs> you know, that's me injecting my own political opinion into the book. But. Um, yeah, it's, there's, it's, I, I feel like I not only am interested in box Brown's work, but like to see something like that being super relevant. That's a, a comic I could recommend to anybody who's curious about how things work and why they are the way they are when it comes to marijuana in the United States. So, you well, know, that my,
1: sounds really good. I'm going to pick that up.
0: Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I really enjoyed that book.
2: Again, as you were saying, Mike, I think it's – because it's not uh, uh, as personal of a book as his bio, biographical comics that uh, it, mm-hmm. it was tough for me to get into. But yeah, I, I, I might have to revisit it after hearing your thoughts on it. Um, as you were talking, the book that sprang to my mind that uh, I think is similar was Kent State by Durf Backdurf, which came out last summer. <laughs> and uh, again, yeah. that's a book that's very specifically about an event that happened in 1970 you know, at Kent State University, the massacre there. But it's impossible to mm-hmm. read it without thinking about the world in 2020, 40 years later. Oh, man. You know, it was. Yeah. It, it really felt like that could have happened. It could happen today, you know, the same exact scenario. And again, it was a book that's so well-researched. It's rooted in history. Uh, it's It's a true story. And at the same time, it was a very emotional book to read, given the current political climate, you know, as that I was reading it in. So... Similarly, I think to to the cannabis book, Ken State was one that really stood out to me as being uh, uh that reflected the current events uh in in a way that maybe wasn't intended when uh Durf, you know
0: wrote it definitely i mean i I have my copy of that book that I've been sitting on for a while, <laughs> and I just I can't bring myself to read it because i know <laughs> I know how heavy of a subject matter that is exactly, I
2: totally understand, but it's such a it's such a great read when you get to it when you're ready
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you know, I, you know we can keep going back and forth with, with books and stuff like that. I, I'm I'm curious if there was if there were any other thoughts you guys had in terms of like comics that you you want to pick up or comics that like I guess you feel like you've read that have kind of changed your mind about things because like I mean one of the one of the books that I'm I've been thinking of you know I said let's not bounce back and forth but now I want to do it again <laughs> um, is uh, gender queer. Uh, a memoir, which is a story that uh, by Mayo Kobabe, I believe, um, which is really interesting. You know, as as a, a cis white man, you know, I'm I am not necessarily like extremely educated and like uh, what it means to be someone who doesn't use you know either he him pronouns, she her pronouns, they them pronouns. You know, there there are a bunch of other pronouns that people use um, across the the LGBTQI community, and I think it's. I, I was trying to find something that could give me like an understanding of, of just how, how people go about you know choosing their pronouns, understanding why someone chooses their pronouns to be, you know, different than like the, the quote unquote cultural norm that we have. Um, and that book really like really just nailed it on the head in a way that made me truly understand like, Oh, this is why someone wants to do that. Like I, I didn't understand it cause I hadn't, I do not really know. I didn't know anybody or I don't know anybody necessarily that uses those pronouns. And, um, I, I can't recommend that book enough. I feel like it, it kind of um, meanders a little bit around um, Kababi's life um, and things like that, but it really like they do a really good job of explaining how you like get in, like how your mindset changes as you learn more about who you are as you get older. And like as a straight white guy, like I didn't have that experience because I didn't feel like I was different type, or like different than the, the, with the world was trying to treat me. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't recommend that book enough. Um, if only to like educate yourself, because at this point, like, I think a lot of this is us, you know, when I, this topic is kind of focused around just educating yourself around different things. Um, and yeah, that's, that's definitely another one that I can, I can think of, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I second that definitely.
0: Yeah. That's a tremendous book. book.
2: And, uh, yeah, I had a similar experience, Mike. It, it helped me understand things that, uh, were new to me in a way that I, that, are part of me now. You know, I, I, I now have friends that are non-binary and I feel I have a better understanding of maybe their experiences or, you know, maybe what they're comfortable with, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of that the pronouns and things. So it's interesting. Um, uh, an odd sort of segue, a book that I had similar reaction to was the green lantern by Grant Morrison and, um, uh, Liam Sharp, which just concluded. Okay. Um, That book is really fascinating and I have to go back and reread it now because the last issue connected things in a way I didn't expect. Now, uh, uh, in the middle of that series, it was kind of split into two seasons, quote unquote. In the middle of when the book was coming out, Morrison gave the interview where they identified themselves as being genderqueer or non-binary. And it's impossible to read the last issue, last few issues of this series without thinking about Morrison using the Green Lantern and using the comic itself to come to terms with their gender identity. You know, it's all Mm -hmm. there in the text. You have Hal Jordan meeting other Hal Jordans from across the multiverse, one of which is super masculine and one of which is uh, a woman. And it's him trying to make sense of all these conflicting gender identities, but they're all quote unquote Hal Jordan. Again, it's like, I don't know if Morrison was working through stuff when they were writing it, but- it's there in the text, and I'm really curious to go back and reread that book to see if there's more stuff that I missed when I first read it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I, I I've been meaning to to catch up on that series, and I, knowing that that came out as they were as they had announced that, I guess to to, to folks, <laughs> I I didn't even I didn't even consider that for some reason. I thought that Green Lantern book was done when they had announced that. So, um, yeah, now that's it's time to go back and, and do a reevaluation of that whole series, right? Absolutely, uh, to see it absolutely. through that lens. Yeah, yeah, um. I guess, Zan, I, I, you know, I wanted to talk more about, like, some of the, the, the books that you'd recommend, you know, from, like, the the spectrum of, of the crossover between, you know, comics and, and the Bible and stuff like that. And I know that only kind of tangentially touches on some of these things, but you mentioned, you know... Um, you, you'd read some things that had cultural impact that were still like interpretations of the Bible and stuff. Do you have any other recommendations off the top of your head? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but.
1: No, not at all. I, I do have some more in terms of uh, with the intersection of religion and comics mm-hmm. and the Bible. Um, but there was one that I wanted to um, bring up really quickly. Um, that's It was the very first one that came to my mind when I thought about um, the political climate and, and comics and reflections. Oh, sure. And, I mean, it's it's kind of old now, um, it's about 15 years old, but Sean Tan's The Arrival was one that has made a huge impact on me. And I will go back and I'll, I'll read it. I mean, I say read it, it's wordless, obviously, um, but I'll, I'll I'll flick through it um, or I'll consume it, um, you know, at, at least once a year or so. Um, and it had a huge impact on me because it was the first time I really considered what it must be like as an immigrant to go to a strange country where you have no friends or you have no uh, family, you have no backup. Um, The entire book is wordless. It's such strange scenery. Where there are printed words, such as on shop signs, it's all nonsense. So, you know, we become part, sort of the immigrant where we find it hard to make sense of the world around us. Um, And that book for me is just, um, it's so incredibly moving and Mm -hmm. touching. And it just... I just don't know what it must be like for people who have to go through that. Um, so that's one that I, if you haven't picked up, I mean, I think probably a lot of people have seen it by now. But if you haven't, I would absolutely just please have a look at it. And the artwork is just absolutely stunning. It's one of my favorite um, types of artwork in comic books. So between Sean Tan and Jeff Lemire, those are my two favorite um, artists in comics.
0: Gotcha. I, I just I just uh, found that on online. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I feel like I've seen the cover of this book probably in my entirety of reading comic books and people like, you should read this. And then I read the subject matter. I'm like, Oh fuck, that sounds really heavy. Um, <laughs> but, <is>. but like, <laughs> I, you know, I think that's kind of the point of this topic is like, I think a lot of the things that we're bringing up here is, Uh, you know or a lot of the books that we're bringing up here are are extremely heavy but in like the best way possible to to get you in the mindset of understanding other people's perception of of the world and you know putting yourself in their shoes because I think that's the the key of a lot of this is is to have some empathy for people that are not you right and um, I think it's 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 obviously the toughest, you know. As for, like again, I'm bringing it back to the fact that you know I am a straight white man, so I have to, I I want to understand other people and understand like the the hardships. I I one of the notes that I had in here was you know it's, the, the the troubling part of this though is you know asking people you know is there a comic about this? It kind of begs folks to put their trauma out in the open and expose themselves in a way that makes them extremely vulnerable. Um, and, you know, for me, I'm trying to be as accepting as possible, but I think for others, it, it could potentially be, um, you know, they could, they could react in a way and say, well, that's not exactly how it is. Or how come you're portraying people like that? You know, um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like a it's kind of a weird thing to be put yourself and i'm not trying to necessarily guilt myself because i think you know my asking that question isn't necessarily like the the bad thing here um by any means but i think that just it, it's really interesting to say like you know I want you want to educate yourself but you also don't want to ask people too much um mm-hmm. to like i don't know write about them you know their traumas and things like that to you know help have to force them to revisit things that you know maybe make them uncomfortable but I don't know I, I might be just getting a bit too into my head about this you know
1: <laughs> no I think I think you're right but I think actually um that a lot of people get catharsis and uh, you know almost like a type of therapy through being able to write about or draw about experiences that they've had mm-hmm. and, and again that's one of the really amazing things about comics is that people have the ability and flexibility to do that you don't have to have some sort of big book contract in order to be successful in comics because you know we have digital comics and, and we have amazing comic cons all over the world where you can just go and, um, and talk talk to people and show them your art and so forth Mm -hmm. so I actually think it's a really great medium for that and if people are uncomfortable doing that or talking about their trauma or reliving it through their art and their drawing a lot of the time what I've found when I've spoken to people who've done just that is by the time they get to the end of it for them they're like okay now I understand it better too and I want you to understand what I went through so it's actually really important for you to engage with it and to ask for that type of material
0: interesting interesting Mm -hmm okay well that put things that puts things in, in in a great perspective so thank you <laughs> yeah that. not to you. you know i think that's still a you know a concern but i think that that's a that's a really like positive thing i guess to come out of that if it's if it's helping people you know that's i mean ultimately i think alt art does help people and creating art does help people um mm-hmm. and that if if it's if it's important stuff i mean that's that's great so
1: i hope so yeah
0: yeah yeah well, I guess we're, we're kind of running a little bit long here. Was there was there any, any final notes any, that you guys had before we wrap up here? Anything we didn't touch on by chance?
2: I, I just want to uh, maybe underline a point you made recently that was just saying that uh, we can learn empathy through art. I think art that has value, particularly comics, um, works when it creates a sense of empathy. You know, so even... Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this on the Patreon episode, but even a superhero book like Superman Smashes a Clan is a fun superhero story and yet it is a book that seems almost designed to create empathy with its characters and it's that Definitely. thing where you can you can enjoy it as a superhero story and it can also make you try to be a better person at the same time. It's it's a it's quite amazing to see an art form that is able to juggle that stuff, you know, kind of seamlessly and very easily, it appears.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, and I, I, I wanted to um, say something that which, I don't want to end on a downer, but this is something that. I think it's important to remember too is that we've talked a lot about the way in which comics can undercut or um, seriously challenge hegemonic or elite or privileged ideas um, and question authority and create room for minority voices but at the same time we also know that there's this huge hierarchical issue within the world of comics too mm-hmm. there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on there's a lot of silencing of those kind of minority voices so this is something that we have we have to get our own house in order to before or so that we can support those minority voices um, which which I know you do a lot of good work through this podcast doing but it's just something to bear in mind I mean I know we all remember gate, and that's just one instance of it so <laughs> yeah um, it's about it's about challenging ourselves as well as <laughs> reading comics that help us challenge political situations
0: Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that reminder because I think, you know, if someone jumped onto this episode and tried to, you know, just listen to say that, you know, how are, you know, are things going well in comics for people with, you know, in the minority space? It's like, it seems like it is because we were able to talk a majority of this episode about people who are writing comic books that are, um you know, p- pushing and are expressing their voices in ways that probably aren't seen in other places, but like, This is just a handful of books in a sea of thousands and thousands of others that aren't necessarily written or created with that in mind. Um, So I I definitely agree with you there. I mean, as much as it is a downer note, there's always there's still going to be work. And I think there's always going to be work to to make sure that everyone has an equal footing um, and has an equal voice and can be heard um, in the same capacity as, as everyone else. And I think it doesn't help that that we have you know the big two publishers who don't do a good job of of uh, i should say don't do a good job like fuck it they don't do a good job <laughs> of, yes, of it like helping. It is. Exactly. i mean like yeah. honestly like i don't know why i'm trying to make any calls like marvel and dc aren't listening to this podcast so like fine um like no one's listening. none of the big publishers are listening <laughs> to this podcast directly so like it doesn't help that those you know publishers aren't necessarily making spaces all the time for people to create books that actually Positively express those voices without saying like, "Well, there's a we need to have a black person writing a book about a, a black person." It's like mm-hmm. I, I don't think that mm-hmm. as as much as that is like great. Like we want to have people expressing the voices of people that they're supposed to represent. At the same time, like that lets pigeonholes those creators, right? You're, like mm-hmm. the the fact that like there have been no women ever writing Batman ever, like the main Batman right. book. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Like someone fact checked me out there. Like. I or detective comics or something like that one of those things has had like a huge run and they've never had a woman write like lead writer like written by themselves as as a sole writer is fucked up right mm-hmm. and yes. you know and it's 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 so bizarre to me to think that like you know you can't have a you know a person of color writing like a book about a bunch of white people or something like that and it it, it has happened and stuff but it happens less frequently than you think you know um because I think it's it's at one from one pr- point it's it's to say like you know it's it's great that, that we have you know the big two are you know, hiring diverse creators and stuff like that but they're still getting pigeonholed and saying oh well you are you are this therefore you should write this about, like you know, about a person who looks or is the, you know the same as you in some capacity and as much as that feels like progress it's not as much progress as i think a lot of the comics community or some of the comics community i think the whole comics community should want and we should be pushing against these creators or the publishers harder to say like diversify your entire lineup stop being so I don't know let the story tell the story right I don't know I I, I haven't prepared any thoughts on this this is just me just no, in style folks I,
1: I, I- totally agree and i think the one way that we do support those communities is by spending our money with them rather than yeah. always with the big two
0: sure
1: um you know get those people to a point where they can start pitching to the big two and that show that they have this community of support behind them mm-hmm. that we want them to produce these comics and so forth so that you know use our voices in that respect and use our our you know i'm, I'm white um I'm, I'm middle class i'm privileged use my privilege to lift other people up
2: agree <laughs> absolutely yeah. again you, you were not reading this stuff in a vacuum so the choices you make uh, the comics you buy they're a reflection of your values and it's something to keep in right. mind you know yeah. when you're engaging with it exactly oh,
1: absolutely
0: which is why i'm going to put the stamp on it again don't buy nfts don't support creators that are pushing <laughs> nfts <laughs> you care about the environment that's the thing that is right now so we're going to mention in the episode yeah. so some transcriber <laughs> out there is going to pick up this show uh and we're going to get in trouble about it but okay well i guess let's let's wrap up here uh, we are kind of running out of time so uh Zan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the episode. This has been an amazing discussion. We're so happy to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed it, um, and yeah, no, I, I really appreciate the chance to have a voice here.
0: Absolutely, we'll have to have you come back. Could be, could be really fun to talk about something else that's maybe not so serious in the future. Once, <laughs> okay, sure, once <laughs> you get your book published, you know, we'll we'll yeah. figure it out from oh, there.
1: God, yes, please <laughs> let me get out of the way.
0: <laughs> um, well, cool. I guess, but before we wrap up here, then where can people find you on the internet if they're curious about other things, or if you're if you're on the internet in some capacity, if they want to read things that you've maybe written
1: yeah sure um so i mean if you google my name you'll probably find a list of my publications if you're really really desperate to read some boring dry academic <laughs> stuff some of it's okay um but you can find me on twitter at zandy little um i'm sure you can put that in the show notes um yeah. and you're welcome to chat with me there um I, I warning i do tweet a lot about like bible and gender and sexuality and not as much about comics at the moment so that's just me giving you a disclaimer
0: well, we're going to stick all of our listeners on you to talk about the Bible and comics all at once. Um. Excellent.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Look forward to it.
0: Awesome. Uh, well, you know, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Paula. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at IRCB Podcast, where I try to post as often as I can.
2: This episode first aired on Patreon and is made possible because of our wonderful patrons. If you'd like to listen to our Patreon-exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more, you can join at patreon.com. Slash IRCB podcast. If you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review the show. I think five stars is a fair rating. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or every listen to podcasts. It honestly does help the podcast and get the word out about IRCB.
0: Make sure you're on the IRCB Discord where you can come and chat about comics and other things, listen to our episodes live, and come hang out with us once a month when we do our monthly hangouts. That's at IRCBpodcast.com slash Discord. And you know, it would help us a lot if you told your friends and maybe your local comic book shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is our editor and just a one a wonderful person to talk to about, uh, you know, headphones and, and hairstyles and things like that. Uh, <laughs> I want to say thank you to Xan and Paul for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone in the Discord for listening. Aaron, BN, Cinco, who else is in here? A bunch of other people. At Danny. Um, and I want to say uh, thank you to everyone out there who's listening to the show. We really, really appreciate it. And remember, until next time, comics are good and so are you.